Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Johnson, the righty, starts left. Top of the left circle, towards the net. He scores! Chicago wins! It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And Company, Adam Hill is with us. Battleborn Broadcast Center. We'll get to uh, some VGK action a little later in the show. Got a lot of NFL to get to. More on Derek Carr. More about the conversation yesterday with... Dave Ziegler, the GM, we didn't have it, but Bussin' with the boys did. And now there's a really interesting tie with uh, that podcast with Will Compton and Taylor Luan. But we come out of the gates with a quick update on what's going on around the Mountain West Conference because all of the games now, they have all season, but all of the games now are absolutely worth watching, not only for what the Mountain West is going to get in terms of bids to the NCAA tournament, but where UNLV is going to land in the seeds. And all of our Mountain West conversation on Cofield and Company is brought to you by the Mountain West Conference Tournament. It's here March 5th to the 11th at the Thomas and Mac. You can get tickets for single sessions, multiple sessions, all sessions. Get all the information at unlvtickets.com. Again, March 5th to the 11th. And you'll hear when we talk about this, uh, the tournament's going to be pretty intense because the hopes every year in the middle of the year with Mountain West Conference fans is they're going to just, you know, beat down the door and get a bunch of teams in. It's probably not going to happen, and it may be on the really, really disappointing side. Uh, last night, Adam, no real upsets. If there are upsets the rest of the way, the four teams and maybe a fifth that could be in the running are dead in the water, like really dead in the water. I think there's only four that are in the running. But last night, Utah State was able to go on the road, beat Wyoming by 10. Uh, Fresno Air Force is basically just receding around where UNLV is down in that 7, 8, 9, 10 area. Fresno went to Air Force 1 by 5. San Jose could not pull off the upset, wound up getting beat pretty easily, especially in the second half. By Nevada, 66-51, as Nevada continues to roll. One of the best stories in the conference at 11-4. and four. And then CSU was not expected to compete you know, real heavily with San Diego State, get 10.5. They got blown off the floor. Uh, 41 points in the first half from San Diego State. That was after a 45-point game against Fresno State, but uh, San Diego State wins by 19. So what we got now is you got four teams at the top with 13 wins, San Diego State. Uh, Three teams have 11 wins, but the losses are a little bit different. Boise, Nevada, and Utah State. Middle of the conference, New Mexico and San Jose State. And then bottom of the conference, you got Fresno actually ahead of UNLV because they swept them. They're 6-10. UNLV is 5-10. Air Force is 5-11. 4-11 is Colorado State. Wyoming is 3-12. and 12. Technically, if UNLV lost out, they actually could finish in last. They could be the 11th seed. They have three games left. They're going to play some of the teams above them, including Utah State and Nevada in the season finale. So it's pretty intense, and tonight's a really big game. I think this is the last chance for New Mexico to really get back into the mix because they've fallen apart. Jalen House went down with an injury. They're just 7-7, seven and seven, but they're in Boise, and you know a healthy New Mexico team can certainly – make a run at Boise State and potentially pull the upset. But what the conference is looking at right now, Adam, is hoping for four teams. Uh, there's an outside chance if it's a complete disaster the rest of the way, it could be a one-bid league. And no one has talked about that. I haven't – listen, I don't listen to all the radio shows around the conference, but I haven't seen any chatter saying this could be a one-bid league, according to Bracketology. And I believe Joe Lenardi is the best guy. I know there's like 
you know, what is there a bracket matrix now yeah. that people like to reference, which is cool. Um, and maybe Jerry Palm, who I don't know who he does it for now. Is he doing it for CBS? Yeah. Maybe he has good access. I think Lenardi gets the bracket, or at least Lenardi gets most of the bracket directly from the NCAA. Well, if you see Lenardi's, Lenardi's bracketology the day before the yeah. bracket is yeah. different than his bracket the day of the bracket. <laughs> Because yeah, they feed it to him, and I then it looks like, it yep. and then it looks like he's great. But that that means you can kind of discount what he does around now. Okay. Um, All right. Well, here's what they got right now. Here's what bracketology has right now. Um, he's got one team in San Diego State is a six. Uh, last four buys. That means you're in the field. You're, you don't have to do the play-in. Is Boise State, which is very much on the edge of the tournament, and then last four in is Nevada. First four out New Mexico and Utah State. So there are teams all in the range. But if if there's some disastrous losses here, every one of those teams could be out. And, you know, next four out or last yeah. four out. Yeah. I mean, look, I, it's it's certainly possible. I, I know where you're going with that. I just I also think it's it's very unlikely they get five and it's very unlikely they get one. I mean, I think right, those are right. both those results are, are very unlikely. But, but I think the hope is four. Possible. I don't I, th- I think the over under number now is over under three and a half teams. Yeah. And I would play the under because I feel pretty safe that it's only uh, it's only going to be three. Yeah, it's going to be. I have, no, I have no rooting interest in the game. I have no dog in the fight. I just think we in in the Mountain West Conference fans and media people get all excited about the conference season, and unfortunately, by the numbers, it just doesn't bear out well at the end of the year. Unless you go like, and I've made this reference a million times before, kind of what Gonzaga does, where you just have to play a brutal schedule in the non-con or do what I'll go old school to you know schools I covered way back when thirty years ago. You have to go, you know, John Temple. John Temple, John Cheney at Temple, right? You have to go Temple when they were in Atlantic 10. He'd come out of the non-con sometimes seven and seven, but their RPI was still very good. And then as long as they had whatever season, you know, 14 and two, 13 and three in conference, they were in good shape. And you, you benefited from playing a super aggressive schedule. And I think you still benefit from that. You have to win some of the games, but getting quad one wins and not losing bad games is what it's all about. And unfortunately, I don't think the top of the Mountain West Conference loads up their, their non-con enough. Yeah, Well, I would say theoretically you do have a dog in the fight, just like everybody listening does, even if they don't care about UNLV basketball, because the conference getting money helps you as a taxpayer even. <laughs> it gets yeah, money into the program. So you do, have a, you do have a dog in the fight. Yeah, uh, we all do. Possible. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you, you want the conference to succeed. You want... Uh, you want the conference to get more teams in. You want more of a share. You want those teams to win in the, in the tournament. Uh, and you have a vested interest in those teams having success on some level. But, yeah, I mean, look, I think that they've gotten pretty good in their scheduling. Although, you know, this year they you know they, they were set up for success and the conference has been much better. But then when you have the bottom of the conference playing better and they knock off some of those teams at some point, it's an easy excuse to knock some of these teams out uh, later in the year. So, um, it, it works both ways. You have to, you know, you have to schedule the right way. You have to win those games, and then you also have to avoid bad losses at some point in the season. And if the bottom of your league is better, then that sets you up to have bad losses. Unfortunately, sometimes so it's very tough to construct the perfect schedule, the perfect conference schedule, all those things to get more teams in the tournament. Bottom line is, you just have to have the teams at the top of your league winning and winning a lot, winning consistently, and winning at the right times and. You know, the league has done that for the most part to put themselves in position. Now they've got to close it out. And I do believe they have to win games in the tournament. Uh, you and I have talked about it a million times. There's The blind resume thing is complete nonsense. Yeah, They have an idea of what schools have done in the past, what conferences have done in the past. And I don't think year to year really should matter, especially now. The teams are so much different almost every year. Uh, but I do think you get dinged for, you know, if, if you have four or three teams in the, pre- the previous year and you, you know, you're one and five or whatever, well, you pull an offer, then – they shouldn't consider that, but 
I think also, they do. Also, unfortunately, I think it's teams that will be watched. <laughs> like it, as, as, as much as that sucks. Oh boy, yeah. Like that's part of it. Well, look at the. Uh, I think I have the whole list here in our rundown. Look at, look at some of the schools that are around, uh, Boise. So it's last four buys, last four in, first four out. You ready to hear the other schools around Boise, uh, Reno, New Mexico, and Utah State? It's Memphis, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Mississippi State, USC, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Charleston. Uh, right after that is Oregon, Arizona State, and Texas Tech. There's a lot of bang for your buck there on a TV standpoint. Yeah, no, no question about it. And look, like North Carolina, with the success they had last year, they're, and it's a lot of the same players. I think people yeah. are going to be like, oh, that'd be cool to see them back in, see if they can make one last a round, Mountain even West though they all year. Two resumes up, not whether gonna, you want to believe blind or not, there's no way they're getting no. in over North Carolina. It's just not happening. It sucks. Yeah. But it's, it's a TV show. Yeah, it's a TV show and it's human beings. That, that's the reality. It's not drafted. You know, as much as we look at computer numbers and all those things, like in the end, it's picked by humans and it's picked by humans who are trying to line their own pockets. And I don't even say that disparagingly. Like, that's what this is about. You mentioned not having a dog in the fight. For UNLV fans, isn't it more beneficial to just win as much as possible, screw up other teams, and continue to try to win at the highest level they can in all their sports with conference realignment out there? I don't think an individual year really matters, but a few extra wins can't hurt. Yeah, that's true. And for the most part, basketball doesn't matter. So um, I know that's changed a little bit. And it'll be looked at, but it's, yeah, you want to have success in all of your sports. You want to have the teams playing at a high level. It's more about facilities and market and all that. But it, it is tough to make the case that you should be chosen, say, by the Pac-12, if you are if you have a bunch of teams that are middling or, or even worse than that. So, yeah, winning is, is very important to that. There's no question. 364-1100, caller number seven. You're going to get Mountain West Conference tickets uh, for one of the sessions. Ari's going to hook you up right now. 364-1100, 364-1100, caller number seven. Tickets can be had for the March 5th to the 11th tournament. That's men and women. It's at the Thomas and Mac. You can go to UNLVtickets.com for the women's tournament. You can actually buy an all-session uh, championship ticket. So every game you want to go to, you can go to for just 75 bucks. The men's tickets start at uh, $25 a seat for full sessions. So you'll get at least two games for $25. They go up from there. But check out all the prices at UNLVtickets.com. Again, March 5th to the 11th at the Thomas and Mac. So as we mentioned, the NFL just keeps giving and giving and giving, and especially with the Raiders. There's so many questions. We're all watching what's going to happen at quarterback and also with the X, the dreaded X, right? Derek Carr and news coming in on him. And then there's rebuilding the rest of the team and filling the holes that were clearly issues a year ago. And it's funny, today we wanted to get into GM Dave Ziegler going on a podcast for two and a half hours. And as it turns out, one of the podcasters, because they're both – players one's more significant than the other will Compton, nice guy but he's kind of in and out of the league but taylor lewan is a pretty respected offensive lineman off injured but was with the titans what happened today he was released he is no longer with the titans um and he's a name that's certainly out there that has had a lot of success uh will there be teams interested we'll find out i, I don't know what the next step is but he was released as part of cap moves and this is always one of the times of year we see it right around now we see it right around june 1st uh we see it a couple different times where you see a bunch of moves for teams to uh, negotiate under the cap and the titans had a lot of work to do in terms of their cap number uh might be why ryan Tannehill is no longer there at some point uh this offseason and why derrick henry could potentially be traded but today it was taylor lewan obviously a very highly paid offensive lineman who was a former first round pick 
Robert Woods, who has uh, had some success, bounced back from an injury last year, didn't put up huge numbers, uh, but played in all 17 games. And uh, uh, they move on from the punter as well. So, um, or excuse me, the kicker, uh, Randy Bullock. So a couple moves that are made to get them under the cap. And now they went from 25 million over to 4 million under. So they'll have some room to, to, to uh, maneuver. Uh, and like I said, I think a couple more moves probably coming for the Titans who are in rebuild now. Okay. Will Taylor Lewan be attractive to the Raiders at the right price? I mean, wouldn't he be a guy who could slip right in at tackle? Well, first of all, you know, before we even mention that, you know my obsession now with names getting corrected. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learned yesterday, Rihanna, not Rihanna. Okay. That's a weird one. Uh, listening to the podcast with Ziggler, Taylor Lewin? I'd, I'm a Michigan fan. I've never heard that before, but that seemed to be the way Dave Ziggler was addressing him. And yes, the the podcast goes on, and we learn, which I did not know, very fascinating to me, that Dave Ziggler was Taylor Lewin's high school guidance counselor. Wait, huh? Explain that? Wait, say that again? Dave Ziggler, before he started to work for the Broncos, when Josh McDaniels brought him in, was coaching special teams and running backs at a high school in Scottsdale, Arizona, was the guidance counselor. Oh, wow. For Taylor Lewin's, it's Lewin, whatever. For Taylor Lewin's senior year, he transferred in. Okay. Dave Ziegler was the counselor. Not only was the counselor, but apparently Taylor Taylor was awful in school. Represent Michigan. Uh, was awful in school. And uh, Dave Ziegler did some negotiating with some teachers to even get him to be eligible to play college football. So he saved his ass as a kid. Yeah. Ooh, Okay. I was going to, I was going to allege that Ziggler did a two and a half hour podcast. An NFL GM doing a two and a half hour podcast appearance is absurd. But it then is. when I saw the news today with this offensive lineman, I'm like, eh, maybe he wanted to get the first you know foot in yeah. the door. But I had no idea the the history with these guys. Yeah. So so and and also well, we should also point out it was it's about an hour. I think it's in about an hour forty five interview. A lot of that is uh, the open and the close yeah. of the podcast. We had two and a half hour podcast in total. Um, apparently. Good, good backstories that came out in the in the story in the podcast as well. Uh, Max Crosby picked up Taylor and Will and brought them to Dave Ziegler's house. That was the driver. It was basically their Uber. All right, here we was, go. That was Max Crosby. Well, if this guy can still play and he's not going to get injured all the time, looks like the Raiders are in. So, Raiders are in. They right could tackle, be right tackle finally solved. They could be. Um, and in fact, part of you know uh, Will Compton and uh, Taylor Lew- Lewin. <laughs> They uh, they asked him. They asked Dave Ziegler to give them his scouting report on them, positive and negative, mm. and he did. He said what what they did well, what they did poorly, and he actually, especially with Will Compton, because if you remember, Will Compton was kind of negotiating with Raiders mid year last year, and he said, well, here's what we liked, and here's what we didn't. Pretty honest about it too, and he did the same thing with with Taylor. Said this we do well. This is this is what your scouting report says. You don't do well. And he was like, yeah, it's probably accurate. <laughs> like, I think you're right. Um, but I will say that the way that they were talking, there was a lot of, this is what you were. Ooh. Not this is what you are. Ziegler already negotiating. Well, I think it's more, I think or he has some decisions. Ziegler's like, I'm not interested. Or was he telling Taylor Lewan, you might want to retire? Well, and... Dave Ziegler did leave out the injury history in his scouting report. His negatives on him were uh, one that he, you know, especially early in his career, wasn't strong enough and really had to rely on technique and positioning and athleticism over strength. And he also uh, said that he is a 
um, a bit of a mental case in that he lets one play, one bad play turn into two bad plays, and then two bad plays turn into a bad half, and one bad practice turn into a bad game. And he said that started in high school, and they were never able to fix it. Like, wow, okay, this is this is interesting. And he, Luan said, yeah. He's like, I'll have a bad practice and go home. Be like, I suck. What am I going to do? He's like, you're right. And then Luan said, and by the way, you left out the fact that I've torn my ACL twice in the last three years. And Ziggler's like, yeah, that's that's true. You, you, this you, is the you worst courtship I've ever heard of. Yes, I was all fired up on both sides. Now I'm yeah. getting depressed. No, I mean, it was a very, I mean, the, the chemistry was very good. The, you know, they, they actually said they were like really appreciative. Like, this is awesome. Like, this is the stuff people won't tell you usually. So uh, they liked that. I think, I think it, I, I would say if it was a interview, I mean, it was an interview. If it was a courtship, it probably went pretty well. Uh, but I think the the question more for Taylor Luan isn't whether he fits or whether he would come here. It's whether he's going to play. Last three years, cap hit for this offensive lineman was 45 mil in three years. Uh, how about a two-year deal for 12 million? Total? That's it. Ziggler just freaking annihilated him. You did. He'll be like, wow, six million a year? Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, also, go. to go, You're right, I suck. To dig dig a little deep on it even, he he said, you know, you you have always been a left tackle that was more that had more of a right tackle mindset. Yeah. And he said he said what does that, that mean? Well he what he said was traditionally in traditional roles, and he said this has changed now throughout the course of his career. He said, but traditionally the left tackle was the finesse, you know, just statuesque, right there, like that's a guy, that's the athlete, whatever. And the right tackle is the mauling, like take no prisoners, run you over in the run game kind of guy. And he said Luan was the pass blocker, but he was also he was he had more of the right tackle mindset, even though he was more of a prototypical left tackle. So I was like, okay, well if he has the right tackle mindset, maybe you move him to right tackle. Or you move Colton Miller to right tackle. I wouldn't. I don't know what to do with this. It's a lot. There's I'm a lot to one getting I'm I'm fired up that they're reducing his value but then the flip side of it now i'm taking it too seriously and now now i'm getting in taylor luan mood yeah i'm like yeah, maybe, maybe, he, maybe he's just not gonna, maybe he's not good enough to fix the right tackle position for the raiders and maybe he doesn't want to mm. i think he's i think he's doing fairly well with the podcast yeah that's that's also my worry is uh some of these athlete podcasters i think are making really good money i don't know if they're making like he just did 45 million in three years but guess what as you effort to make more money when you've just made 45 million you can probably take it in the shorts a little bit by doing uh, what we do and not making a whole lot of money all right well more on that podcast and the gm of the raiders going on there and the other thing he said was talking about the quarterback position and of course people have started to run with that one making it out to be a really bad situation a bad immediate situation for the raiders behind center Today, after unnecessary roughness, it's the Kevin Kruger Radio Show at 5 p.m. on Raider Nation Radio 920 a.m. We're in charge of filling the most important position on the team. There's some pressure that comes along with that. And however we fill it, it doesn't mean we're going to have an immediate answer, you know, this year. But at the end of the day, we have to have an answer. Right. You know, in some form or fashion, you know. And so, yeah, there's pressure that comes along with it. And and, um, again, that's also part of the excitement, too. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Dave Ziegler on a football player podcast. Not exactly making Raiders fans real secure about their quarterbacking future. I mean, I think we understand what he was saying, and I think 
he knows, you know, as he said it calmly, that he understands all the sides of this, but part of that is going to be taken out of context and people are going to run with it that the Raiders have no clue what the frig they're doing. Like, they have no idea what they're doing at quarterback. And I don't believe that's the case, but when you do a podcast, and this is why sometimes folks don't make themselves available. By the way, a very chill podcast. Like, on his couch in his house. Yep. And what happens during podcasts a lot of times? You start opening up. Like, well, I'll, I'll, yep. I'll put it this way. You can tell, because when you listen to the podcast, early on, uh, Taylor and Will, I don't know how many, you know, how often people listen to the show, but, I mean, they are very, very open. It's just very, you know, guy talk, and they're saying, you know, overtly sexual things and cursing a lot, all those, all that sort of thing. And at one point, Ziggler's starting to answer something, and he goes, wait, I can curse, right? And they're like, yeah. And then he just starts going, like, okay. Um, and, and not a lot of them. I think, you know, maybe three or four of them that he dropped in the in the show. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's that relaxed atmosphere, right? And then you start. And, and by the way, the additional positive is you're with football players. Yeah. So you feel a lot more, com- like, you forget that they're kind of media now. Which, which is why I totally understand why, well, why one, players are doing well with podcasts. Those who are pretty decent can get other athletes to say stuff that they would never say to media. By the way, it's also why our philosophy is we don't talk to a lot of your kind writers unless we know them. And we try to feature a lot of athletes, you know, former athletes, because we think we're going to get more out of them. It's just a different approach. But I, I totally understand why people love the Kelsey brothers, because who knows what they're going to say or – you know, um, when uh, Dick Sherman does his podcast, Richard Sherman, why people are interested in that. There's a lot of good player podcasts out there. And Patrick Peterson does one too. Yeah, guys just lose it. They just they forget where they are. And it's like, hey, you're not just – it's not just you. There could be thousands of people listening to this over the course of the next week. Yeah. I cut you off. Oh, no. So Ziggler got real relaxed. He did. He, he was real relaxed. And I think – I also think you can read into these comments that a lot of people – you know, picked up and we did. We saw the quote yesterday as soon as it came out during the show. We saw the quote drop and we're like, oh, that's interesting. They might not have an answer at quarterback. Well, you can re- you can read that many different ways. I think what he's saying is they you might not know this offseason who their quarterback is going to be for the next 10 years. Right. So either that means we're not going to have an immediate answer in terms of you're going to draft somebody and hope to develop them and hope that that works out and they're going to have another bridge quarterback. Or if it means, hey, we're going to go get a guy like. Aaron Rodgers or Garoppolo or someone like that, who he's our answer now, but he's not our answer at quarterback. Because you know, if you get an Aaron Rodgers, he's not your answer at quarterback. He's your solution for right now. So those are two different things. So I, I think that that quote, that statement can mean many different things. And, and I wouldn't take too much out of it of, hey, there's not an answer. We don't have, we have no idea who's going to play quarterback for us. Like, I don't think that's what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, Twitter response to what Ziegler was saying. So the Raiders' plan is to wait until year three of this regime to pl- uh, to find a quarterback. Fantastic. Yeah, I don't. I I get why that is the reaction, and I think that's what the way most people took it. I think when we immediately saw the quote yesterday, I think that's how I took it. Um, but that's not. I don't think that's necessarily exactly what he's saying. I, I just think he means look. Anybody that thinks you're going to know next week who the Raiders quarterback is going to be for the next 10 years is probably not accurate because that has been the case, right? I mean, we talk how many, how many teams have a quarterback that is their quarterback for nine years. That's what they just had right. with Derek Carr. Very few teams have that. And so I think that's kind of what he's saying that you, you're not going to know right now who is the quarterback for the next decade. Let me read it to you again. Dave Ziegler. We're in charge of filling the most important position on the team. There's some pressure that comes along with that. 
And however we fill it, it doesn't mean we're going to have an immediate answer this year. So they may not have the long-range answer this year. Yeah. And again, to explain it further, that includes a bridge plus a draft pick, which a lot of people favor over getting you know, a short-term fix. I mean, who would, who would be the long-range guaranteed person they could bring in? Like who's on the mark? I mean, it would be what bringing back Derek Carr for four years. Like there, that scenario really doesn't exist, does it? I mean, I guess you, if you say it would be Mac Jones, but I mean, I don't think that's the I, case. I mean, if if we're ranking all different scenarios, Mac Jones is, would be. I I could go as far down as I mean, I'll I'll name five bridge guys plus the draft pick that I like more than Mac oh, Jones. Me, me too. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that would be my choice. I'm saying if you were acquired yeah. him. That would probably suggest that you think he's going to be your guy if you're going to trade for him. Uh, that would because he's you know what he's got two more years left before the extension would be eligible. Like you would think that that would be the, the case if you're going to trade for a guy like that. So what, what I'm saying is that's told, not what I would do. What if I told you it was Mac Jones for a sixth, a conditional five, and they draft a quarterback? Because I think a lot of it depends on what Mac Jones' price is. If it's sure. going to be like a freaking second round pick. Get the hell out of here. Sure. But I, I, so I, and I think in that case, you would say, well, that's not your immediate answer, a quarterback, then, right? So I think that would fit what he's saying. So right. I think there's many different ways that you could go about doing this. And I think there's many different options that the Raiders have. Not all of them are right. Not all of them are wrong. There's many options they have. And many of them would suggest that you're not, you're, you're not finding your immediate answer at quarterback this offseason. Doesn't mean that you're not trying to compete, trying to win, and trying to get a guy that's going to help you win this year. I am listening to you. I, I really am. I'm interested in this conversation, but part of me keeps looking on the computer under my Derek Carr Twitter heading, and I just keep looking to see what, what's going on with the X. Where's, where is he now? What's happening today? What is David saying? So has you're Derek like, said anything? Has anyone who knows? Has Camp Carr, do they have time right now with all the other stuff going on? Are you suggesting? Do they have time to, to kind of put some stuff out to feed us some red meat every day? What's going on with my ex? Are you suggesting that you're you're swiping Tinder? but you're doing it in front of your ex-girlfriend's house? <laughs> Pretty much. You're like sitting in front of her house seeing what she's doing, but you're swiping through Tinder seeing what else isn't, is out there? By the way, isn't there a reality dating show coming up with couples and the the ex is there? The guy's ex is there. I thought that already came out. Oh, is it? Is it out already? Wasn't it like X Factor? Wasn't that what it was called? I think that was a music show with Simon Cowell. Oh, I could be wrong. <laughs> I just assumed that sounds like I, it might be the You know what's funny? I almost said that was a, that's a singing show with Simon Cowell, and I almost said... Uh, because I was thinking Demi, and I was like, uh, with Demi Moore. Wait, Demi Lovato. We're not, I see what I mean? I'm looking. I'm, I'm worried about the X. Clearly. All the time. Clearly. Uh, well, I, because I, I do, I, I do kind of have an immediate tie to this as a Jets fan. So, as I told you yesterday, and I've told you for years, the New Jersey, New York sports fan, led by the New Jersey, New York media, is not always the most nuanced. They're very insular. They're kind of naive. They can often be buffoons. Not all of them. Well, what was the fan reaction? Because we talked about some of the media reaction. We played Jatiki Barber. who's like, don't let Derek Carr leave town. If you're the like, that's not the way it's going to work, Deke. Okay? Camp Carr is going to look around and enjoy the recruiting process for weeks. There ain't no, hey, we're the Jets. Stay. And Derek Carr's like, yeah, I'm in. How bad was it with the fans? Well, first of all, I don't know that it'll be for weeks. I, I do think... Because right now is when he he is the premier guy, right? He's the guy who every move he makes is going to be talked about and he'll be in the spotlight. That changes when free agency starts. So I feel like he might want to get it done, unless he is just waiting for the Aaron Rodgers domino to fall or other teams are waiting for that to fall, and then 
that changes. So I don't know that it's going to go on weeks and weeks and weeks. It could for sure. Uh, but that's for sure. But I mean, I'm, I'm still seeing fans that are like, maybe they can bring him back for less money. Maybe he'll still, maybe he'll, th- this is over. I think we can stop. We can stop speculating or talking about it or looking at that possibility. Cause there are still fans that I don't know if it's the, the stages of grief where it's like, you're not in acceptance yet. Like th- it still could, ha- it's not happening. He's not coming back here. Um, and I think that there are people that are looking at it and saying, well, they don't, they don't have an answer yet. Maybe he is the answer. Maybe he is the guy. Uh, and, and then I, I think you see there's some fans that are out there saying, Hey, let's hope that he goes somewhere and wins. We've really, we've loved him. He's done a lot for us. Let's go hope he wins. And there's other fans that don't want him to win and, and want him to fail and not, and not succeed because he's gone now. So I think there's a mixed reaction from a lot of different people in a lot of ways that they're looking at his situation. Uh, I don't, I don't, really think they're I don't even know what the prevailing opinion is I think it's fairly split you know several different ways throughout the fans follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield and Co you are listening to Cofield and Company live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas Justin Watkins coming up in about 30 minutes, 4 o'clock hour. We have a bunch of topics to get to, uh, local and statewide. Uh, also, if you want, go up to the RJ's website. We'll uh, tweet this out, but uh, Adam's paper did a nice job on uh, a story about Ryan Keeler, the UNLV football player who passed away uh, just a couple days ago. So go check that out. Uh, Andy Yamashita, who else wrote the story? I was trying to look for I know there was a female tag down there. Uh, contributions, want to give everyone credit. From uh, Sabrina Schnur, right? Is that how you say her name? Yeah, very talented writer. Yes, yes, I know you. I was going to say you like her, but I didn't mean that way. You've talked about her before. She's not. Yeah, she's not a member of the rival trivia team, so she's fine. Okay, yeah, good. We fine. do have to get to your uh, your trivia. I know. Outcome. Um, I don't know if it went well. I don't know. I don't either. We'll say. We'll say. I didn't tweet about it, so who knows? No. Well, th- I mean, don't not tweet because I was busting your chops. No, no, no. There's, there's a method. We'll oh, get, we'll no. Oh, okay. We'll oh, geez. There's a whole, now there's a whole of course. T- tweeting strategy <laughs> of course. about your highly competitive trivia team that is going around the city and sandbagging. Are you now... Uh, barnstorming. Yeah, you're barnstorming, and I feel like you're you're setting people up, winning money. Um, boy, there's so much good stuff going on today. I always laugh when we get to these points after the NFL. I heard um, another show today was talking about, oh, we got to transition away from football. And No, you don't. Like I, we're not even going to get to all the NFL stuff going today, going on today. And there's great college football topics, and one of them is a story. I'm highly interested in the story in Deion Sanders and what happens at Colorado. And you know, Deion's going to make noise all off season, and that is part of why Colorado hired him. They want to win football games, but Colorado hasn't been relevant for a long time. No one talks Colorado buff football. Well, this is what you hired, Deion Sanders, and some of it's going to be good, and some of it's going to be debatable, and some of it's going to be horrible. And his, again, he went on a podcast. People, it's, it is a great format. People chill and maybe they say stuff they shouldn't or wouldn't. I think Dion would say this to anyone. But Dion talks about his recruiting approach. Have you seen this? Yeah. Most of it sounds pretty good. Like most of what Dion does. In, in theory. Yeah. In theory. 
So Dion talked about some hallmarks of the program and how he wants to build. And by the way, I was incorrect. It was, it was actually the Rich Eisen show. So to my point, he'll say it to anyone. <laughs> he goes, well, you know, we're looking for players. We have different attributes. Smart, tough, fast, disciplined with character. Now, quarterbacks are different. Smart, tough, fast, disciplined with character. Sounds pretty good to me for quarterbacks. But he says, quarterbacks are different. You want a mother, father, dual parent. We want the kid to be a 3.5 GPA and up because he has to be smart. Not bad decisions off the field at all because he has to be a leader of men. Quarterbacks are different. We want mother, father, dual parent. So, you know, immediately that sounds like a shot at fatherless boys who are raised by women, right? Sure. Dad's gone. That's it's not every case, and it, that this is an assumption, but there are a lot of single moms who took that as, hey, Dion is taking a shot at single moms and boys who come from broken households that he's not interested in them. He wants a mom and a dad, dual parents. Now, what he didn't say is live together in the same household. True. Mike Freeman, who's a longtime writer, was at the New York Times and a bunch of other publications, I think, was it Yahoo?, and now he's writing for USA Today. He's insulted by this, and many others are as well. So the example he wants to use is Tom Brady. And Tom Brady's son. He says basically this would eliminate Tom Brady's son. Sure. If he was an elite quarterback, he's down to Colorado and Michigan. Deion's out. Because we'll because he wants a mom and a dad and a the parenting in the same parents in the same household. We're Are out. we stretching both sides of this? No, no, no I don't. I don't think we're. I think what the unsaid is what the unsaid, and I think it's pretty ridiculous. Um, but I, I think a lot of what he says is ridiculous. But he also said, like, smart was one of the qualifications of the first player, and then, but a. Then the second one, he's he puts an actual GPA on the right. limit of like if you really break down a lot of what Dion says, it's ridiculous. It is in in the in the speech at you know that went so viral when he was you know speaking to his team for the first time. If you take out like the theatrics and the dramatics of it, there just wasn't much to it, and a lot of it was very silly. But people got fired up for it. Like I I. I think that a lot of people have been more impressed with Dion than they maybe should be as a coach. But yes, I think this is a kind of a ridiculous thing to say. And I also think in practice, we would see like in a case like that, he would say, Oh, you know, in this case, well, this kid's, this kid's good. I like him. Okay. I, I don't think he would actually come down to it. If he liked a prospect and say, nah, we're not taking that quarterback. Cause mm-hmm. both of his parents aren't in the home. He will never abide to this. No, and I also buy this. I also feel like I know a lot. I know a lot of kids that are much more well adjusted, or people that are a lot more well well adjusted from one parent homes than two parent homes, which are yeah. messes sometimes. Yep. I see kids all the time with two parents, and I'm like, "What are these two doing?" Yeah. It, Neither one of them has any control. These kids don't have respect for either one of them, no, and they're together. No. There's, there's, it's a two headed monster. And they still can't well, control the kids. And there's relationships. They have bad habits. There's relationships where parents stay together yep. that shouldn't, and create an incredibly toxic environment for their kids because, like, well, we need to have two parents. Like, no, you don't. You don't. Yeah. 
Freeman said, I'm unaware of any study that says one parent household kids are at a disadvantage when it comes to playing college quarterback. And now I actually, I do want to see a chart of quarterbacks this last year. If they have both parents there and who was good and who wasn't, let's do the study now. <laughs> let's see it. We had but, that. But here's uh, the thing. I've never covering college football. I've never even thought of it to like, look into it. Like I, I would have no idea. Maybe like you're not doing your job. Well, who should I, should I know? The marital status of everyone's parents of every quarterback on the UNLV roster. Yes, uh, and every player. I think also. Oh, well, it doesn't matter to the other players. Uh, who was the? I'm, I'm blanking right now. We had the guy in a couple times who wrote the the book on the five star quarterbacks. Which we can just go back and look and go back through and which I mean, one succeeded and which ones. That would be interesting. Yeah. Of five star prospects, which ones succeeded and which ones didn't. Based on how many parents are in their household, I would love to see that. Now, that's a good start for a study. Yeah, I'm not had, doing we had it. Yogi Roth on once, <laughs> that's right. and then we had uh, Joey Roberts on at least once or twice. We decided not to have Yogi on anymore after he told us to be positive and not talk about Pac-12 realignment. So, right. actually, we didn't tell him that, but that was a decision on my part. Like, we're going to do our show. Feel, <laughs> so enough. I feel All like right. yeah, I feel like that would be a good start, right? Quarterbacks that are top prospects. Uh, how do they work out, and how they how do they not? Based on that, and we could go look at that, but I, I don't think that there would be a correlation. I just don't, and, and I think it's a it's a pretty silly thing to say, honestly. But it's Dion. It's Dion, and he's and, and you get the good with the bad. And then, but guess what? There's a lot of people who like. There's a a crowd out there where Dion just threw a mistake. They're into oh, of it, of course. Of course, there is. They're, Absolutely, they're they're probably wrong and have very little life experience outside of what they've experienced. I would agree. I would absolutely agree with that. And look, it's, it, his his college coaching career is going to be based on wins and losses, it's not going to be based on things that he says or interviews that he does or all these things. But you know, he's going to continue to be him, and we'll okay. see how it how it works out. If it's still sitting at uh, five and a half, the over under win total for Colorado football this season, under 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 under. I'll seems, go under five. I'll go under four and a half. It seems to be the right way to go. I just I just don't think he's going to have an immediate impact. Well, I have to look at the quarterbacks on his right. Well. His son. His son is one. Yes. I mean, that was part of the topic. It's, it's a good point. I think his son is going to elevate the quarterback position, but I don't know if the rest of the team is going to be that much better. I think they'll be better, but they were really bad last year. But I need to know. I need to see the rest of the quarterbacks on the roster just in case. What's their parental situation? Oh, is that what you're getting at? 364 yeah. 364-1100. 364 so here's what we got coming up. We got all the conference tournaments uh, on the West Coast coming into town. Just about all of them, right? We got WAC and Big West and Pac-12 and Mountain West Conference and West Coast Conference. We've got the West Regional here. We've got, obviously, just March Madness in general, which this is the best place in the world to watch March Madness. And now we've just added, if you didn't know, the NIT has started to move its finals and semifinals around. So we're getting it this year. So over at the Orleans Arena, the NIT semifinals will be in town. You can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. We've got tickets to the semifinals. That's on March 28th. March 28th, NIT in town at the Orleans. Ari's got a four-pack. Got a four-pack. Uh, we'll go through some of the teams that were in the NIT last year and, and the kind of season they're having this year. But right now, give Ari a call. Call her 736-4100. Great college basketball semifinals in town of the NIT at the Orleans on Tuesday, March 28th. Today, after unnecessary roughness, it's the Kevin Kruger Radio Show at 5 p.m. on Raider Nation Radio 920 a.m. 
And I think that is what the three-point shot has taken us away from. But, you know, Bird shot plenty of threes. And Bird is one of the great shooters in the history of the sport. Not even close. Bird, Bird shot threes. He never was a volume shooter. For three. No, I know that, but he was a great three-point shooter. He was not, not good. He was great. He's one of the top five three-point shooters of all time. He, that's how good Bird is. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. This is a top five topic for me, one of my favorite topics, because I'm generally not into era comparisons. But in the NBA, it's getting pretty freaking ridiculous. And this is something I talked about starting, oh, I don't know, 15 or 20 years ago when we would talk about late 90s, early 2000s basketball. And there is no sport. I really don't believe there is. There, there is no sport now that um, – loves to debate back in my day more than the NBA. So when I was talking about it in the late 90s, early 2000s, people would harken back to the 60s. And it'd be a lot of Bill Russell comparisons to like Michael Jordan, right? And my line on air was always, you you do know there's video of the 60s and we can watch Wilt and Russell and those great Celtic teams and the early... 70s Lakers, there's video proof. So this isn't like, you know, folks in the, oh, I don't know, you know, the 50s and 60s waxing poetic about Ty Cobb. Okay, we can watch the video. And now it's gotten even worse because we were alive during these times that you hear Mad Dog, a New York sports talk host who's in his early 60s, who's now getting regular spots on Stephen A. Smith. And that was J.J. Redick, who, who was he's talking to. I watched Larry Bird. I can go back and watch videos. The other thing I can do is I can look at his shooting percentage. He was a 37% shooter from three. That's solid. That's not one of the five greatest shooters in the history of the NBA. That's just stupid. And then the counter is, well, but they played a lot more physical defense in the 80s. And you know that one is one that I will counter all the time. Starting in the, in the late 80s, right, when the Pistons came around, they changed the brand of basketball and it turned into brawl ball. But that was like 88, 89 into the early 90s and and often throughout the 90s but from the 70s through 87 defense sucked it's on video it was terrible we can watch it listen to listen to mad dog start talking about the physicality of defense and jj raddick is finally like stop the 80s was so much different. There's physicality, the way they guarded people. Uh, you couldn't can you, can we, can we get all these trying to make a point. Seriously, can when I watch Steph Curry off the ball in a playoff game, oh, he's great. getting grabbed and held by Marcus Smart, they're attached to him at all times. Right. Then when I watch Larry Bird come off a pin down and no one's within five feet of him and they're shooting the gap, you're telling me one is more physical than the other? You're telling me that's more physical than, than Steph Curry being grabbed and held for 48 minutes? Yeah, it's, it's not even disputable because as J.J. Reddick said that about what Curry experiences and what Larry Bird experienced, there's video. Yeah. And it wasn't it, – this isn't isolated video because I sent you – today I was like 1983 this team, 1986 this team, and I watched constantly picks, just no fight to get through them, wide open jumpers. Blow buys left and right. The I, by the way, I watched the other side. I watched the Celtics game against Ron Harper. One, Ron Harper won, and Harper going to the basket on a break. Larry Bird's like, no, nope, not even gonna, not worth my time. I, <laughs> folks, you can't just you can't just lie about what happened 40 years ago. This is a stupid argument. It's on video.